Scarlettos, I'm um, I'm a little flustered. <laughs> uh, I know it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to you guys right now because we don't necessarily release our episodes in the order in which we record them. But I was just thrown for a little bit of a loop from our last recording, so uh. I gotta kind of get back in the zone here. Uh, Sonya kind of messed with my head a little bit. Okay, well, uh, this will definitely get you back in the zone because what we're going to be talking about next, Brittany, is I think uh, one of our favorite docuseries. Oh, it's not my favorite. But um, it's perplexing. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, I, I felt a little strange at the end of it, but let's, uh, let's start at the beginning. What are we talking about, Brittany? So we are talking about the Netflix docuseries by the Duplass brothers. and Who I, wanna, I love. I love yeah, them. I, I'm calling them out specifically because they are, they are awesome. They make some really great shows and movies yep. called Evil Genius. Um, and this is, this is a show that came out in, I don't know, 17, 18, maybe 2018. Yeah. 2018. Okay. So it's not a new one. Um, but it's, it's really interesting, quick little, uh, very high level. What the series seems like it's about and what it's abs- like actually about are very different. It seems like it's about the, was it 2004? Three, 2003 Two, 2003 bank robbery slash bombing <laughs> that uh, of a, a hostage bombing single person hostage uh that i re- remember vaguely happening and i don't was, remember that happening i don't yeah i remember it vaguely and you might listeners might remember it it was the guy who was uh, had a bomb strapped to his chest he had just robbed a bank and um there i mean kind of like the iconic scenes of him are on the asphalt between two squad cars handcuffed saying he's got a bomb and it's going to explode and ultimately explodes so the documentary starts out seemingly like it's going to be about that event, but it's totally not about that at all. I mean, it is, but not really. Yeah. So the docuseries is called Evil Genius, the true story of America's most diabolical bank heist. And even there, Brittany, like to your point, it's not what you think, but I'm not even sure the name is accurate because I agree. I I'm like, how diabolical was it? So this was a true story. This really happened. But Brittany, to your point, you know, it was so much bigger and so much smaller at the same time. Exactly. You know, like I it's know. like it was such a wah wah. You know, like yeah, you know, yeah, it totally is stupid. But you know, I mean, hey, it was a windy road to get there. I will say that. So 
This docuseries centers around this weird cast of characters. The first, of course, is the poor dude who got blown up, Brian Wells. And, um, you know, he this is in Erie, Pennsylvania. So he was a guy, you know, he's a pizza delivery guy. Um, he, I mean, he, like Brittany said, you know, he, he's, we see that we have a lot of footage of this guy because we know that he goes into a bank. We know that he has a bomb strapped to his chest because it's pretty obvious. There's a t-shirt yeah. on over the bomb, but it's huge. Yeah. And it's a collar. It's a collar bomb. So essentially it's a collar around his neck that he can't get off. And by the way, he also has a gun that's in the shape of a, a cane. So he, how pray tell did this gentleman get like this is right. what you're probably asking. But we'll tell you about that in a minute. He goes into the bank. He demands money. I think they give him some money. Yeah. Right? I, I think they do. And I, I he, he was sent into the bank with this, like, long, almost like manifesto that long and short of it was, give me $250,000 or I'm going to blow up this bomb attached to my chest. So I don't know what they actually gave him. But they give him something, and I mean, I've always heard that banks are insured, so in those situations, they're essentially told, just do it, don't cause a panic, there's that probably that, like, explosive die stuff in there anyway, the bank is insured, the police will be called instantly, so he goes in, he gives the note, he gets the money, he walks out, and pretty much police swarm instantly. So what's weird about it is... You would say to yourself when you see the footage of this dude that he doesn't look to be under any real stress. No. He's sauntering in. He's got his cane. Um, it would appear that he somehow or another, you know, it maybe knows that either the bomb's not real or he's he doesn't doesn't appear to think that he's in any danger. Right. I guess is what I'll say. Right. Yes. He strolls in. He strolls out. He goes out to his car. The police swarm him. I think he's sitting down in front of his car on the, uh, there's a lot of footage of this, by the way. Yeah, there's a ton of it. Yeah, it's like, what? And then, um, of course, he's sitting there, and what starts happening, you know, they put, I think, I don't know if they have handcuffs on him, and he's sitting on on the ground. Yeah, there are. He's sitting on the ground. The police have no freaking idea what to do, because they're terrified. They're like, well, we know the guy's got a bomb somewhere, and we don't want to go up there. Is it real? The guy doesn't seem to be acting like it's real. He doesn't seem to be in, under any like stress, except when it starts ticking. Well, yeah. And then he's like, I think this thing's going to go off. And this is when you kind of see the shift in him. But, and it's like, oh, shit, he even, thinks it's real. Even so, though, there is there is somewhat of a shift in him. But it's still less of a shift than I would expect for someone who's about to be blown up. Because he's like, hey, guys, no, really, it's going to explode. As opposed to, like, holy shit, oh my god, I'm gonna die, get me out of here. Like, there's not panic, it's just, this is serious, come on, you know, let's hurry this up, let's let's move this along. That, well, t- exactly. And let's remember that, because there's conversations later about whether this gentleman, you know, participated in this crime, and I think that's a real tell that I do feel like you, Brittany, that up until the minute where he got blown up, I don't think he thought that he was going to get blown up. I don't know. We'll, uh, we'll talk about that towards the end because that's how I kind of felt, but then eh, I don't know. Eh. I don't know either. So let's go over the cast of characters because 
we've got the initial incident. So let's talk a little bit about more of this this guy. He gets blown up. He's um and his you head's see still it, on. By the way, it yeah, shows poof. the incident. Yeah, it's it's crazy. He falls over. The police are like, "What do we do? You know, is he gonna blow up again, or do we walk up to him? Right. I mean, how do we know if he's alive? Do we help him? Is he the victim, or is he a criminal? Like, they don't even know. I think they figure out after a while by the look on his face. I'm sure that he's no longer alive. And um, here's where I was like, "Whoa, that's crazy and weird." So he's got a collar bomb on, right? And so they. And rightly so. These police are very concerned that this thing might blow up again. And if they take it off of him or try to manipulate the bomb in any way, it could explode. So they're scared, right? So they cut his head off to get the bomb off on the on the, um, on the, the sidewalk, essentially. Yeah. Right there. Right there in the middle of shenanigans. Just everybody but, uh-huh. there. Yeah. Yeah. So, but also it's, they, they cut his... I think they tried to remove the collar because the 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 big backstory of this is it was actually kind of a game where he had this collar on, he was going to he he robbed the bank and then he was being sent on a scavenger hunt of other places and he was going to get information that was going to lead him to the keys so he could let himself out of the collar. And it turned, and there were four, like, locks on the collar. Only two of them were even capable of being unlocked. So two of them were, like, just decoys anyway. So part of that is what messed up with the the officers, too, is that they didn't know if there was even really a way to get that collar off. Yeah, and and try not to move the guy, and I, I, I hey, rightly so, you know, I don't really blame him, and I think it's the family was pissed oh, they off, were mad. Because, but it's an unusual circumstance, and I think the police had to do what they had sure. to do to make sure that they were safe, yeah, right? Definitely. So now we we move along again. Brittany's point: we find paperwork in the car um, of Brian Wells, and we know that there's a bomb, and it's pretty easy to dissect the pieces that flew everywhere and understand and potentially figure out who made the bomb. So that happens, right? That's on the news. That's known as the the pizza bomber, so on and so on. Parallel to that, right? <laughs> we've got another case where we've got a gentleman named Bill Rothstein <laughs> call the police and say, hey, I, I need to tell you that I got a dead body in my freezer <laughs> and this crazy woman, Marjorie Deal Armstrong, who was my, or is my ex-girlfriend or not, maybe she's my girlfriend, who knows. I'm not really um, sure myself. The, I'm not sure. But she's with me and she made me put the body in the freezer and... Um, you know, I've been stalling for time because I know it's wrong. And the way I've been stalling for crime is time, time is I've been going around pretending like I'm buying meat grinders and other ways to dispose <laughs> of this body. But let's be sure we freeze it for now. Yeah. Um, and so this is where it gets freaking weird, man. The police go over to Bill Rothstein's. So the person he talks about again, Marjorie Deal Armstrong. We'll talk about her in a minute. Uh huh. The police go over to her, his house. And he shows them around. He gives them a tour, including the tour of the freezer with the dead body. So, Brittany, 
who is in the the freezer? Would you like to share? Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I have to admit, I have a little bit of a confession to make. Uh, this is the this is the second time I've watched this series, and the end of episode one is when Bill calls the police. The start of episode two is when he starts showing the police around his place. I fell asleep watching episode two. The second time. I watched it all the way through the first time. I fell asleep the <laughs> second time. Um, the, the victim, the body at this point, is Marjorie Deal Armstrong's, another one of her ex-boyfriends, uh... Well, he's ex he now. Was the boyfriend I think he was a boyfriend. At the time. He was he was her former boyfriend at the time of his death. At the time, former uh, What's his first, his last name is Roden? Yes. I'm gonna tell you why I remember his last name. But what's his first name? G- his, this gentleman's name, and if they had been dating apparently for quite yeah, a yeah. while. So when we talk about Marjorie a little bit, well, first we'll go. <laughs> can he stay with her for ten years? <laughs> but uh, James, James. Roden was his name, and he was folded up like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and put into the freezer and kept there for a while while Bill was, I guess, uh, just trying to figure out what to do was, with Marjorie and trying the body. to get with Marjorie. Uh, so okay, this is a total sidebar. <laughs> I don't know why, but I kept on remembering uh, James Roden's last name because I kept on calling it Rodan, which I'm pretty sure is the name of a Godzilla kaiju. That is exactly yes. right, Brittany. You are you win the Nailed prize. It. <laughs> and that's how I kept on. That's how I remembered his last name. But clearly, I forgot his first name. James Roden. I think it's spelled it's it's spelled differently. It is, but, but that's uh, how I remember it. R O D A N. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Rod- I think Rodan is. Uh, the it sounds like the French version of Rodin, but uh, Rodin is the three-headed monster. In no, that's Godzilla. King Ghidorah. Know, also. That's another one. There's are there a, there, two three-headed monsters in Godzilla? I'll send you a picture. Yeah, and I think that turtle has three heads too. They had a Whoa. lot of things had head, multiple heads. Yeah, we digress. Um, I'll send you a picture of it. Yeah, sorry guys. Anywho, back to the track. So Bill Rothstein, for some reason, decides that he wants to share with police and you know, stop whatever he's doing with Marjorie and he turns her in. And um because not only does he show them where the body is, but he <laughs> tells them who to ultimately murdered James Roden and he says it's Marjorie. And um it's pretty easy to see that someone murdered James Roden because he didn't put himself in the freezer. He's and frozen. um they X ray <laughs> they X ray him and he's got shrapnel in his uh throat. So apparently someone decided to use a shotgun to shoot James Roden and then decided to either keep him on ice for whatever reason. We'll talk about that later. But um, you know, this is where Bill Rothstein and Marjorie um, you know, are obviously at odds. And you ask us, what would this have to do with the pizza bomber case? And we don't really realize until a little bit later in the docuseries that they actually do because it appears that Marjorie and Bill and a a, a couple of other uh-huh. folks conspired to, uh, and Marjorie will never admit this, but conspired to, do, to sort of do the pizza heist or the, the bank heist. It's so strange because, you know, Marjorie's, Marjorie, Deal Armstrong is apparently a very intelligent person. Yes. Uh, a person who was very manipulative. Yes. Um, she didn't appear to be a nice person. No. She, on 
in her interviews on camera, it's she's not very likable, and she but loud, aggressive, but almost felt like she had Tourette's a little bit. She has. It's very, very clear. She has pretty significant mental illness, and she is. It's indicative and obvious that she is someone who needed help a long, long time ago. And we will see that there was someone who really tried in earnest to get her help and did everything right. But the system kind of just spit her back out. So she's someone that she struggled because she genuinely was extremely intelligent. That's where the genius comes from. But very manipulative and uh, dealt with a lot of uh, contradicting mental health conditions that caused her to be quite evil. Yeah, yeah, she was very persuasive. Um, it's uh, so really the center of the story is about is really Marjorie Deal Armstrong. Uh, apparently, she was the mastermind behind the the whole thing. And what's unknown? It, I mean, it appears that. She was doing this for money because at one point I think she hired a hitman to kill her dad. She was pissed off at him because he was giving away her inheritance. That and so she retaliated by trying to hire another one of these cast of yokels, uh, Ken Barnes, her fishing uh-huh. buddy. Uh, was my note, and um, he's like, "Yeah, sure, I'll kill your dad." You know, he said he was just bullshitting, and she wasn't. He was like, "Of course I'm not." Well, but uh, she was really, she was really serious. Ken Barnes is uh, a he was like a. a known local Erie, Pennsylvania uh, drug dealer. Like, he was known around town in the seedy areas uh, as being, like, the go-to guy to get your fix. And he was a major, major addict himself. And at one point, they go to his house, and it is straight out of hoarders. Like, with all of the worst part of hoarders that you can imagine. Not just the stuff, but the filth, the grime, the rodents, the bugs. And it was was just awful. And God bless anyone who trusted the drugs that they got from this guy. Well, that's what's weird about it. Because, I don't know, maybe it's the condition or whatever condition it is. But, you know, that hoarder condition... Bill Rothstein had the same thing yes, he when did. he showed them around his house. He had lived in the house for 55 years. Like he probably didn't even some see like the floor in some That's of that probably house true. Like, for 50 something years. I mean, it was, woo. Yeah. and this was a, Bill Rothstein was a very intelligent man. Again, these are, some of these people are anyway, are very intelligent, very manipulative, um, you know, manipulated by yeah. Marjorie apparently. And um, at some point, you know, in this documentary docuseries, his best friend is interviewed and he's like, I don't even know that guy. Right. Um, but what's weird about Bill Rothstein, you know, because what we find is that, like you said, there's all this documentation. There are exhaustive letters um, to the bank teller about the heist. Like, who's going to... So I don't... I, there are a lot of things that are confusing about this uh-huh. to me. Um, I don't understand. I, I get it that they were sending somebody on a, a wild goose chase. So when they write this giant letter to the bank teller... Are they expecting them to read it? And it would take time for them to I read know, it. I know. I thought that too. So what are they? 
what's their point? Like who, this is your, like, you know, you're making a stand or whatever, but to who, like, what do you think the bank teller is going to give a shit, you know, about your, why you're compelled to do exactly. And it's weird. And then the, here's what I also have a problem with. So the whole shenanigans with, you know, the game, the, the scavenger hunt, the police did a test and it was a very, very simple test to do. And the test was how long would it take to go from point A through the points that listed on the scavenger hunt to get to the end result. And it was time that was more time than they had put on the timer on the bomb. So Brian Wells would have never made no. it. So if these people are robbing a bank, so here's where I'm like Marjorie Deal Armstrong, kookaroo for sure, because you know, if she's trying to kill her dad because of the money, right? And she many times will say in this doc series, I'm rich. Why would I need to do that? You know, she lies a lot, yeah, by she the does. way. I mean, she conflicts herself a lot. First, she says that she didn't kill her boyfriend. And then later on, she absolutely admits to it because they were arguing about another woman. And But when you listen to both, you know, the both of the interviews, it sounds exactly the same. I mean, she's a great liar. <laughs> they do sound like, the I'm same. Like, I would have never thought she's, I mean, she's adamant, you know, I mean, she's, and she's crazy too, but she's adamant that she didn't do it. And then she's like, yeah, I did it, you know, and she was proud she, of she it. She is proud of it. But the part, of, the part that's weird about the Bill Rossi thing is, again, a very intelligent man. It sounds to me like it's fairly, we're fairly confident that Bill wrote the, the scavenger hunt letters and also the letter to the bank teller, um, you know, sort of this manifesto, right? But um, if Marjorie is the one who masterminded this, for money, if anybody masterminded it for money, and they didn't give this guy enough time to fulfill it before they blew him up, I'm not sure what the point yeah, was. Yeah, I don't really know what the point was either. Uh, the scavenger hunt starts with uh, Wells delivering a pizza, per se. We're going to assume that, because that's ultimately i think what is kind of sort of decided happened uh and then to to marjorie armstrong he is uh, confronted by four people marjorie bill and then two other guys um the one we just talked about uh ken barnes ken barnes and then one other guy who was a uh, convicted sex offender who was living with uh bill so Essentially, he just went along for the ride because he was living there. Um, essentially, yeah. So, but the, that's weird, that's what's weird about it. Like, why? Like, are were they going to split yeah, the know. money? Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. But so essentially, so Wells leaves. He goes to the bank. Then they follow him, and they have stakeout points. So I'm wondering if they had no intention of him finishing the scavenger hunt, and they were essentially just going to corner him, take the money, and then let him die with the bomb. But why go to the trouble of writing out the scavenger hunt? And I think they found the pieces that the scavenger hunt was supposed to lead him to as well, didn't they? They did. Yeah, that's true. I agree. But it's so but weird. You're dealing, but you're, so you're dealing with mentally unstable people, particularly Marjorie, because so not just James Roden did she kill. She had two previous boyfriends that wound up dead. One, she went to trial for his murder and was ultimately found not guilty. But her defense attorney in that trial tried and tried and tried to get her committed to a mental facility because 
a psychiatric facility because he knew she was not right and she needed help. And I think she spent like 10 days in a psychiatric facility, but ultimately was determined not to be severe enough. So it was spit back out into society. And he's interviewed later on in the series towards the end and essentially says, I knew 20 years ago or whenever it was when I defended her that this woman was violent and dangerous and had a mental health condition and needed help, but they just didn't believe me and didn't find her severe enough. And now look where we're at. I think that happens a lot. I mean, yeah, (laughs) we hear about that frequently way more often than we should. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty much the, the short of it. I mean, there are a lot of meanderings in the docuseries. There's a lot of video of her yelling and talking and trying to compel somebody to do something for, I don't even know sometimes that's, what the reason was. And that's the, that's kind of the, the, the thing about this series that it's, it's worth a watch. But when you said like, it's one of our favorites, I can't say it's one of my favorites because it's, it's compelling. It's interesting the first episode is really interesting and it's all about the bombing and then it ends on this huge cliffhanger of Bill Rothstein calling the police like whoa what does this have anything to do with it and then episode two is all about Marjorie even though I fell asleep during the second viewing of it it's all about her and like her previous mysterious boyfriend deaths and the one that uh, she killed possibly killed uh, because she wanted him to uh, murder her father so she could get his inheritance even though he wrote her out of his will Uh, and then episode three and four is kind of just Marjorie just kind of ranting and raving and other people that she shared cells with and other people that these other guys shared prison cells with being interviewed and saying, yeah, this is what they said, and these are the letters we wrote. But it doesn't really introduce any new information. Uh, no, it doesn't. It's, um, I mean, but, but I mean, for the, fir- the first time I watched it, I really like it. So I would say take a listen. Uh, yeah, take a, yeah take definitely. A, take a listen. Take a look. The, the, I mean, do you want to share what the outcome is? or? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because I think, honestly, the... I, I don't want to negate the last two episodes because only it's only four episodes, so it's a pretty quick watch. Um, but it, the the most compelling part of the fourth episode is trying to identify whether or not Wells is what was party to the initial plot, and I think officially criminally he was neither. Even though he was dead, he was neither posthumously accused nor acquitted of being involved there wasn't enough evidence one way or the other Uh, and his family is very vocal in court just yelling at the the judge when he suggests that he may have been involved and so on one hand just before the the show wraps it seems pretty conclusive that he was not party to the crime. He showed up to deliver a pizza as part of his job, and he was conned into... Essentially, he was he was forced into wearing this bomb and going on this scavenger hunt. Uh, earlier, they talk about how he was involved in the planning. That 
seem to be negated. However, one of the very last things that they talk about in the series is there's a woman who is an eerie PA prostitute who was a uh, frequent, well, was a frequent client of hers. Uh, and they became actually like really good friends. Like they genuinely hung out and she would get groceries for his elderly parents. Um, and then she became pregnant right around the time that he died and she thinks he's the father. But he, uh, again, what the heck's the drug dealer's name again? I'm so terrible with this, with names. Ken Barnes. Thank you. Here's how they sort of, I understood they knew each other. Okay. Jessica so-and-so, the prostitute. The prostitute. Was getting drugs from Ken Barnes. Yes. So she would essentially come, and Ken and I, if I'm not mistaken, Brian Wells lived or hung out with Ken Barnes too. So she would hook up with Brian Wells. They would have sex upstairs. She would take that money and go downstairs to Ken Barnes and get drugs. And then she would do them. Yep. So... What I understood happened was that at some point, Marjorie and maybe Bill, who knows, came over to Ken Barnes' house uh-huh. and said, we need some idiot to, you know, sort of be the person who's going to go to the, the bank. Of right. At the time, Jessica was there and she heard that. It appears that Jessica may have been the person that suggested Brian Wells. Which exactly. Which she feels great regret for. So when Brian Wells came up with, so they, they essentially ordered a pizza and they then they took the pizza guy and kind of held him hostage and threw a bomb on him and made him go do it. Uh-huh. But I think they were familiar with each other. Brian Wells obviously knew Ken Barnes. Ken Barnes was, Barnes was there. So there was some familiarity. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. When he drove up with a pizza, which by the way was like really close to Bill Rothstein's house. He, he had to have seen Ken Barnes. He, he knew him, right? So he's yeah. like got to feel some comfort. I mean, I so, think this was a, it was like a pretty small town and especially like this neighborhood. It was like the type yeah. of neighborhood where everyone knows each other. So I don't think any of these guys were strangers. Yeah, exactly. So I think when Brian walked up with a pizza, if I, I understood they had a slice of pizza and then they kind of ambushed him. Yeah. But I think that they told him all along it wasn't real because if they would, if he would have any inclination that that bomb was going to go off, his, his actions would have been very different. I would think so, but they did say. Or... Well, first I drive to the police. If like if I if I some I would never get in a car with a something that that may or may not be a bomb and drive and go do what they said. I would try to go get help, right? But it, I think they did say that he did have a certain level of cognitive impairment and may not have he may have known, but may not have wanted to question them and may have believed that if he just went along with their plan, everything would have been okay. Yeah, no, for sure. And I'm not sure when, I mean, did they give him the paperwork and say, here's the scavenger hunt and was the first stop the bank? That's what I understand. Uh, So maybe it was just a game all along. It just seemed really strange because he's, guys, he's on video, man. He's like, they're looking straight at you and in camera saying, you know, guys, guys, I I think something's happening here. (laughs) No, and it's like, and then all the, I mean, he, I really felt like he never, his face he never had until the very second where that thing blew up. He really had any idea it was going to blow up. Yeah, I I agree. I think he knew that. I think towards the end he knew this was a real bomb, but I don't know if he knew that it was like imminent. 
Alrighty. Well, Scarlettos, that was a, a pretty short little episode. Yeah, I have a couple of shout outs I want to do, so uh, maybe we'll keep going. Go for it. <laughs> All right. I want to do a couple shout outs to some new friends that I've made recently. I want to give a shout out to Music City 911. Brandon Hall is the host, and he is a periodic co host as well. He is a 911 dispatcher in Nashville, Tennessee. And I would just love to sort of tell you guys to take a listen. I, I, so he's a real 911 operator. So the stories that he have, obviously uh, perplexing and um, really entertaining in my opinion. And he's just a real nice guy. And his voice is really, really lovely. So highly suggest those guys. Give him a shout out. And um, we have a promo for them at the end of our episode. So you guys can take a listen, get a little familiar with them. And then I also want to give a shout out to my girl, Caitlin Dowdy. Now... She doesn't know she's my girl, but I'm telling her right now. Um, I She does a YouTube series called Ask a Mortician, and I'm not sure if Iconic Corpse is part of Ask a Mortician or it's a separate sort of you know thing she does, but she's a mortician. Uh, I think she lives in L.A., and she's got her own funeral home with a partner, and um, I find her to be really, really, really fascinating. And I know it sounds really gruesome, but there are questions that I have about that stuff that I've always wanted to ask and her YouTube videos are so informative and she's got a huge following but um I really I really find her interesting like the other day I will readily admit I watched a video that she did about how they keep your mouth shut when you're um you know being prepared for reviewing and um it was I know that's really gruesome and crazy but it was really interesting so I am I'm not going to tell you you have to watch it I can't really use that was the proper answer. Yeah, just watch it. Please watch it. But she's really awesome. I'm hoping, Brittany, since she's in L.A. and we're in L.A., that we could at some point do a little interview and meet each other. That because would I do be think awesome. She's, yeah, she's really cool, and I love her observations, and she's just really informative. So yay you, Caitlin Dowdy, and Iconic Corpse, and Ask a Mortician. Check her out. All right, Scarlettos, as always, thanks for checking us out. Um, I think you're going to be hearing some more promos from us uh, in the future. We are really enjoying connecting with other independent podcasters and supporting one another. So if you have suggestions or are interested in being promoted on Scarlet TCP and would like to do a promo swap, we would love to hear from you. Uh, hit us up on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And listen to us on every platform where podcasts are available. Sonia, anything right. else? No, this has been very enjoyable. I, uh, you guys, our audience, I have to give them credit. They, I've been hearing some wonderful things from people lately, so we really appreciate all your support. So uh, keep killing it, Scarlettos. All right. Thank you so much, Scarlettos. Hey y'all, I'm Brandon Hall. I'm one of the hosts of Music City 911, a podcast about the good, the bad, and the dark side of 911 dispatching. Me and my co-hosts are 911 dispatchers with over 60 years of experience. Join us as we play 911 calls and discuss them. Oh, did I mention that we get dark? 911, what's your emergency? 
I just shot everybody right now. You just shot everybody? How many people did you shoot? Uh, three. Four, five, 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 you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Music City 911, and we're downloadable on every podcast platform.